Father, we thank you for your wonderful, unbelievable, beyond human understanding love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for Sabbath. Thank you for all the blessings that you give us, though we don't deserve and we don't appreciate it. We never appreciate it enough, Lord, and we just praise you for everything. Right now, we pray that you come with your presence and touch every heart and transform us. We pray in Jesus' precious name and merits, and thank you, Lord. Amen. I uh, <clears throat> remember, and this is not the sermon, but I do want to give the sermon tonight. I remember <clears throat> when we moved from Wisconsin to Kentucky that we wanted to obey the inspired writings and to live outside the city. In Wisconsin, we did live a little outside the city. Now, there are quotations that say that you should live yeah, I will do it. Thank you. Okay. There are quotations that say that we should uh, evangelize the cities. And I have them in my laptop here. And we should be at some close distance to the city to be able to preach the gospel to the cities. And uh, I did connect. I don't know what happened. It's okay? Good. And there are quotations that say that we should leave the city. So my wife and I decided to move to some distance to the city to be able to work in the city, but not to live in the city. And so we prayed and we looked to so many homes. And either they were too expensive, too much for us, or they were too small and no property for a garden, or privacy to invite people from the church and have tomato fight, you know. <laughs> or they were in the city and you could do nothing. I mean, you have... Ten church members and the neighbor is going to call the police. Too many cars parked, too much music, you know, or too big the bonfire or whatever. And so we decided to keep looking. And we prayed and looked and we claimed the promise that Ellen White says that if we ask God for advice, he's going to show us when to sell, when to buy, where to buy. She says that if you read the quotations. And so we prayed for advice. And we kept looking and looking. And we found a house. Oh, Beautiful. Big property, big, you know. But it was ridiculously expensive. It was twice the price that we could afford, you know, to borrow and to put some money down and so on and so forth. And so we moved to the next one. And to 11 months, we visited over 55 homes and lived in an apartment. And we found nothing. And we decided to disobey God and just buy any house without property in the city. And we said, Lord, this is it. We are going to buy this house. It has no property. It's house by house. If you sneeze, the neighbor says, cover your mouth. You know, <laughs> the neighbor from the next house. You cannot do anything because they hear you. And so we decided to just buy the house. But then we said, let's make sure that we don't disobey God. So we prayed and said, Lord, we don't know what to do because people don't understand the Bible verse that says, those who wait upon the Lord, renew their strength. For us to wait is like, can you answer now? Because if you don't, it means that you don't answer. And we don't understand Joseph waiting seven years in prison in Egypt. Moses waiting 40 years in the wilderness. 
Daniel waiting roughly 40 years between the first and the second vision. We, we don't understand Noah waiting 120 years. We, we don't understand. We wait two weeks and we say God doesn't answer. Abraham waiting 25 years for a child. Do, do we, you see the point? We say, oh, I've been waiting for three days. Are you kidding me? And so we decided to buy. But then we said, Lord, we give you permission to ruin our plans. Elena says, Jesus made no plans for himself. Coma. Every morning, he surrendered his plan to the Father and asked the Father for the plans for the day. And then a page or so later, she says, we should present our plans before the Lord, ready to give them up or to fulfill them according to his will. You, you remember the quotation? That means to be a Christian. It means that you don't make plans. You surrender your plans to God's plans and you exercise faith. Faith is not to manipulate God to do what you ask. Oh, when you pray, if you have faith, God will do it. Faith is not to twist God's arm. I have faith, you got to answer. It's like an abracadabra formula. When you have faith, God has no choice. You follow me? Faith is not to manipulate God to do your will. Faith is to manipulate you to do God's will when you don't understand. You follow me? Fasting is not hunger strike to change God's mind so eventually he does what you want and he listens to your voice. Fasting is to clear your mind so you listen to his voice. God doesn't change. We change. Prayer doesn't change God. He changes us. You follow me? And we don't trust him and shake and doubt when it seems that he doesn't answer prayers. Why? Simply because we don't know him. Because if we knew him, Eleanor says that we would never doubt him. He says that if God opened our eyes for a second to see what the angels see, we would never doubt God for a second again. She also says that if we knew the end from the beginning, we would choose the same path. You know the quotation, don't you? Shake your head so I know that you are not sleeping already. Okay. <laughs> You cannot sleep on me because of my accent, not necessarily the message. <laughs> but if I get excited and go too fast, then you, I just lose you, you know. And so, <clears throat> and so, to every honest prayer, that's a quotation. To How many? What means every? To every honest prayer, an answer will come. But it would be wrong to assume that God will answer the way we want in the time we want. Mm -hmm. And so we looked for a house for 11 months and we assumed that God would answer. And eventually he said, we are going to just buy a house. And then we praise Lord, Lord, we surrender our plans and give you permission to do whatever. Whatever you want. It doesn't matter how much it hurts. Whatever you want, full permission, don't let us do a mistake because we are humans. And so we called the realtor and said, we are going to buy that house. And then we prayed again, God, if we do a mistake, please don't let us do a mistake. We give you permission, we beg, we plead with you, don't let us do a mistake. So the realtor said, okay, I'm coming, we signed the papers and that's it. He was tired, poor, poor guy, he was a patient guy. He was not a Christian, but he was the most patient Adventist I've ever seen. I mean, 11 months, what realtor would do that? But anyway, and so he said, okay, I'm coming. And then he calls us 15 minutes later, he says, I got in the car, opened the garage door, and my father called. He says, his father was inside the house. He says, I fell off the bed. Can you come and put me back in the bed? He says, I came, put him back in the bed. I got in the garage, got in the car, and my father called. 
I fell off the bed again. Dad, can you please stand still because I have to do some papers and sell a house? Okay. I got in the car and my father called. I fell off the bed. He said, I took him to hospital, dropped him to the hospital, came back. When I was ready to come to you, he says, the hospital called. He's okay. Take him home. <laughs> I went to the hospital, took him home. You, do you understand the picture? And I was losing my patience. Are you coming? And my wife says, honey, didn't we pray that God would change the plans? Well, we did, but we just do our duty when we pray. We are in shock when God actually answers, you know. <laughs> Be careful what you pray because he answers, you know. And so, and so he says, folks, I don't know what to do. I was supposed to come at 8.30 a.m. and it's 2 p.m. I don't think I can come with my father today. Let's do it Monday. As soon as he hangs up the phone, he calls back. He says, I'm happy I didn't come. I said, what are you talking about? Did your father pass away or something? No, you got the house. I said, we didn't because you didn't come. He says, no, 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 not this house. The big house, nine bedrooms, six bathrooms, top of the mountain with the whole mountain, 50 acres property. I said, oh, what are you talking about? 10, 11 months ago, the big house. I said, the 380,000 house, we cannot afford it. No, they dropped it over 100,000 to your price. I said, what? They dropped it to your offer. I said, I'm coming. <laughs> now, that's only the beginning of the story. We went, signed the papers, got a big house. Top of the mountain, 50 acres property, beautiful, 360 view. I have pictures. I show you pictures. It's too late. The house was sold, but you, you will want to buy the house, you know. And so we go there, do the papers, get a loan, whatever, buy the house. It takes two months or whatever, all this Crazy paperwork, you know how it is. I hate it. But anyway, that's the rule, you know. And after we get the house, it's Friday. We sleep on the floor. I don't care what I sleep on. I sleep, I don't know. People who know, I didn't sleep comfortably. It means they don't sleep. When you sleep, you don't know, you know. And so I slept on the floor, no furniture. And then Sabbath morning, we get in the truck to go to the church. As soon as we go down the driveway... Somebody leaning on his truck close to my mailbox waves. So I stop the truck. Good morning. What are you doing here? You are trespassing. Uh-uh. We bought a house. Well, I'm the neighbor and we, the neighborhood, are not happy. We don't want you here. I, well, uh, I'm sorry you feel that way. I wonder why, but you don't even know me. Well, we just don't want anybody here. We want a pastor. <laughs> I said, well, you got your wish. I am a pastor. He says, are you? Hold on, I am not happy yet. I said, okay, what else do you want? Do you believe in prayer? I said, actually, that's what I do. I teach prayer. He jumped at my neck. He hugged me, kissed me. I said, thank you, Lord. We are back to normal. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? So what we have here, Pastor Strauber, whatever he said, he lived here 16 years. When my son died, 18 years old, in car accident, he prayed with me. When my neighbor's wife died, he prayed with him. When this one lost his job, he prayed with him. When that one was foreclosed, he prayed with him. He went from house to house and he prayed for us. And then he got retired and he moved to Florida. And the young family bought a house and they were drinking, drugs, 
parties, crazy music, and the whole neighborhood got together and we prayed that they would leave. And they, they got foreclosed and they left. Amen. And then, for 11 months, everybody that came, we tried to search if they are pastors and we prayed that they will not buy the house. And none of them got a loan. And so, you are a pastor and you believe in prayer. Yes, we are happy you got a loan. <laughs> so I started to visit from house to house and give them tomatoes and my book and pray with them. Nothing happened by chance, but all things were... When you wait 11 months, stop arguing with God. Anyway, that was introduction. Let's go to the sermon. So, <clears throat> Jesus is coming soon. We are Adventists. Adventist means the word, the translation of the word. Waiting. How do you wait? What do you do when you wait? You, I'm waiting. That's, what you, how, that's how you prepare? My wife used to own a business for many years, many years. In Wisconsin, in Romania, in Kentucky, and she did extremely well. When I say extremely well, I cannot say it enough. In Wisconsin, several years, every year, she got a, a paper, a certificate from the government that said that she has the best facility in the state of Wisconsin. Every year that paper came, the best facility in the state of Wisconsin. Taking care of people with uh, disabilities, taking care of veterans of war, taking care of, you know, and, and many stories. I'm not going to go through that, but anyway. And then we moved to Kentucky, and she started the same business again. And she again started to get papers from the government, the best facility in the state of Kentucky now. Extremely, I mean it, extremely to the point that they would call her to train others extremely well. But she got inspections. They would come several times. How do you think she would prepare for an inspection? Oh, the inspection is going to come. Let's wait. That's how you wait for the inspection? Oh, no. She cleaned. She made sure that all the batteries in the small detectors were new. You follow me? The fire extinguishers were within the warranty and functioning. She made sure that all the food is fresh. She made sure the temperature in the refrigerator is to the standards, she made sure that the water is not too hot, not too cold, she made sure that the ramps function, she made sure that people know how to go for a fire deal, she made sure, you follow me? She was up to date. Medication, charts, food, documents, everything perfect. And they would come and they would check and there was never a non-compliance. Never. They would say, unbelievable, you are like a machine, you do everything perfect. And she would say, no, my husband says that he alone does everything perfect. <laughs> You know, nobody is perfect, and I'm nobody, so. <laughs> and so, how did she prepare for the inspection? Working. How do you prepare for Jesus coming? Working. Lazy people don't go to heaven. Eleanor says that we are born in God's kingdom as missionaries. Thank you. Who said that? Amen. Praise the Lord. We are born as missionaries. But then she has another statement where she says, I put it in my words, that if you don't have that passion to serve God, you have never really been converted. Ah, did you hear what I said? Because you are quiet. So, this is the time to prepare. Why the computer doesn't work? It's because of me, obviously, isn't it? Let's see. 
Oh yes, it was me. <clears throat> this is the time to prepare. Now, if you want to hear the first, second, third part of the sermon, you go to Lexington SDA page, and you go there and you'll find the whole thing, you know. But today we don't have time for that. So, Jesus says, go first to the lost sheep of Israel. Why? Why? Why don't you first should go to the world and save the world? Why do you need to preach to the choir first? Because says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is coming, but God's people is not ready to work. How would the others be ready? We need to get ready first. You cannot wake somebody up if you are asleep. You cannot give Jesus if you don't have Jesus. You follow me? You cannot teach others to work if you don't work. You cannot teach others to pray if you don't pray. You'll never have power before you experience God yourself. Does it make any sense? We have no power to change anybody. Stop trying to change people. You need to have God's presence in your life and then his presence will touch others, not you. Why would God say, go first to the church and preach? Because Illinois says, talking about that, that they were asleep. Well, let me tell you, the Bible talks about ten virgins, talking about God's people. Before, before Jesus comes, the virgins are doing what? The foolish or the wise? Oh, you kidding me? They are all snoring? Can it be that the church is sleeping? Who is the church? Ah, it's not us, it's me. It's easy to say it's us because you know you think about the others. My neighbor, my friend, the elder. No, it's you, it's not, it's not us, it's me. It's me, it's me, oh Lord. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. Am I right? It's you. It's not your spouse, it's not your pastor. It's you sleeping. Can you be in the church and still be lost and not know that you are lost? Oh yes, the sheep is lost outside and she knows and she says, Bah! The coin is lost inside and he thinks he's okay because, hey, I am inside and he says nothing. Can you be the coin, the lost coin inside the house? And so, by the sleeping disciples is represented a sleeping church when God's visitation is near. It's the time of clown and thick darkness when to be found asleep is dangerous. Christ is at the door, men and women are in the last hours of probation, and yet careless and, wow, strong words, foolish. Preachers have no power to arouse them because the preachers sleep themselves. Sleeping ministers preaching to sleeping people. Wow! A choir of snoring church. And so, Matthew 24 and 25, Jesus talks about the second coming in those two chapters. You know that, don't you? Matthew 24, Jesus talks... The disciple says, when is the sign about Jerusalem and the end of the world? And Jesus answers to both questions. And he tells them there will be wars and there will be this and there will be that. You remember? But that's not the end. And Jesus, after talks about the end, he gives them a few parables to tell them how to prepare. And he gives them the parable of the fig tree. What was supposed the fig tree to do in order to prepare? Bear to bear fruit. Okay, nice. 
talking about fig trees. We planted 10 fig trees at the house in Kentucky, and we actually harvested figs almost every day. It was wonderful. He, Jesus talks about the faithful servant and the evil servant. What was the servant supposed to do? To feed the others? You remember? And Jesus talks about the ten virgins. What are the virgins supposed to do to prepare for the second coming? They are supposed to? Huh? What, what does it mean? To have oil in the lamps. The Holy Spirit. Why? Oh, I want to have the Holy Spirit. You know, I have a house, a car, and I need the Holy Spirit. Why? There should be a purpose. Ellen, I tax to receive the Holy Spirit that would enable us for ministry, she says. Let me explain why to have oil in the lamps. In Palestine, in Israel, in that time, roads had no names and no numbers. It was not uh, Street 64 or road, the main road. It, there was no name, no number. And the streets were like crooked. And when they had a wedding, people who would come visiting from another city would get lost. And the wedding would happen in the night. People would get lost. So the tradition says, the history says, that they would ask the young men and women, while the parents were preparing the wedding, the young of the family would get lambs and go to the corners, to the intersections that would lead from the entrance in the city, both entrances, lead to the wedding hall. And they would have lamps to make light to show the way to the wedding hall. Why did, were they supposed to have lamps and oil? Not because, oh, I want to have uh, more light. Because they are supposed to be a light. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine in the dark. You know the song, don't you? You don't know that? But what about the other one? Handle under a bushel. No. No. They are supposed to be light. If they didn't light, then why are you a Christian? Or are you a Christian? Because if you don't light, it means the light is not in you. And if the light doesn't live in you, are you a Christian? And so, ten virgins, the talents, one got one, one got two, nobody got zero, nobody got everything. What, do, what are they supposed to do with the talents? Use them. Use it. All of those parables, those that didn't serve, they were all lost. The fig tree, the, the, the virgins that had no light. The, you follow me? Those who buried the talents. Those in the parables, all that don't serve, they are all lost. If you don't serve, you don't make it to heaven. Jesus is judging people based on their service. Not because service gives you merits, but because you show love by serving. How can you say that you love God if you don't serve those around you? It's easy to say, oh, how I love Jesus. Satan knows the song. Satan can sing the song. It doesn't impress anybody if you just say, oh, how I love Jesus. You got to show your love by serving your neighbor. Does it make any sense? And so, how do you prepare? How do you wait for the second coming? You serve. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Nobody. Okay. <laughs> if not, when are you going to be ready? Today? Tomorrow? When? Have you ever heard me? I tell this story again and again. There was a guy, Bayram Hassan. 
He was from Turkey. He was in the little market. That was the name, little market. When I would walk from home to school, I would pass by the little market. And I would pass by the little market. That guy sold ice cream. I know it's not healthy, but I don't care. I like it. <laughs> it was three types. It was chocolate ice cream, vanilla ice cream, and pistachio ice cream. The pistachio ice cream was heavenly. Unhealthy, but heavenly. <laughs> and that guy screamed all day long, all his life, every day. Today you pay, tomorrow is free. I believed him. I paid, got my ice cream. Next day I went, I said, I need my free ice cream. He said, son, today you pay, tomorrow is free. <laughs> I, uh -uh. I said, I came yesterday. And now today is tomorrow, so give me my free ice cream. He said, no, 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 son, you lost it. Today is today. Tomorrow is tomorrow. You came yesterday, and now you came today. Today you pay. <laughs> I said, no, today is tomorrow. He said, son, what's wrong with you? Today is today. <laughs> tomorrow is tomorrow. And today you pay, tomorrow is free. I said, okay, so I paid again. I came next day determined to get my free ice cream. I said, I want my free ice cream. He said, son, today you pay. Don't you get it? I said, no, you don't get it. I came yesterday and it was today. And now I came today and it's tomorrow. He said, you are messed up, son. You are really messed up in your head. He says, you came today. How can you come tomorrow? Are you kidding me? He says, you cannot come tomorrow. You cannot come yesterday. You come only today. And today you pay. Tomorrow is free. I said, okay, man, but when is tomorrow? He says, son, tomorrow never comes. Why do you think that you will get ready tomorrow? Huh? Oh, I'm going to start studying tomorrow. I'm going to start praying tomorrow. I'm going to be more patient tomorrow. I'm going to surrender tomorrow. Satan loves tomorrow's decisions. You really want to do it? Then why don't you do it today? Hello? And so... When are you going to get ready? What are you going to be doing in the last day? Very soon, very soon, Revelation 22 will happen. He who is unjust, let him be unjust. You follow me? He who is holy, let him be holy. No more time of, of, of grace. No more time of probation. The door is closed. In that day, what will you be doing? In that day and that hour when God says, enough. What will you be doing that day? Huh? I know exactly each one of you what you'll be doing. You know, I can tell you about everyone. You know what you'll be doing? Exactly what you do every day. What you did yesterday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, you'll do just the same. And let me explain. So, <clears throat> it says, today is the time for salvation. Today, if you hear his voice... Let me get there and explain it to you why I say that. Jesus says, as it was in Noah's day, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. They ate, they drank, they da, da, da. As it was in Lot's day, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, da, 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 they got married. Da, da. What is wrong with that? They ate, is it wrong to eat? Oh no, if you don't eat, give me your food, I will eat it. Is it wrong to plant a garden? Oh, no, we are, we are here for that reason. Would you agree with me? Is it wrong to get married? No. They slept. They built. Is it wrong to sleep, to build a house? Is it wrong? 
Then what's the problem? Well, let me tell you what's the problem. If you do that today, you wake up in the morning at 5.30, you say a prayer, and you uh, take a shower and you get dressed and you go to work. You come from work at 4.30 or 5 or 5.30 or whatever, you take a shower, um, watch news 10 minutes, eat, and then uh, you do the Sabbath school lesson, and then you say a prayer and you go to sleep. Tomorrow the same, tomorrow the, tomorrow the same, tomorrow the same, tomorrow the same, tomorrow the same, to the point that you say, honey, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Because all days are the same. There is no difference. And you know, if you take a day off, you say it's Friday, even if it's Sunday. Oh, it's Sabbath. Why? We didn't go to work today. No, honey, it was Martin Luther's. Oh, okay. Don't you feel when you don't work that it's Sabbath? Did it ever happen to you? Oh, is it Friday because I feel Sabbath? When you do the same and it becomes routine, hello, it becomes who you are. People, if they sin, they feel the need to repent. But when you do routine, you don't feel the need to repent. What to repent for? For going to work, I don't need to repent. For building a house, I don't need to repent. And when people do routine, they feel no need of change. And because they feel no need of change, they stay that way. And they don't even feel guilty. And it becomes who they are. And they don't even realize that actually Jesus is coming. And God wants you to get out of the routine. And God wants you to submit your plans and say like Abraham, if God wants me to live, I'm going to live. Well, what happens to the house? What happens to the job? You talk about God. God told you to leave. Eleanor says that those who refuse to move from the cities, they will be sorry, but it will be too late. They will be connected to their properties. She says, I have the quotation here. I can read it. They will be connected so much to the properties, and they will expose themselves and their families to persecution. If God says leave, get out of the routine. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not live in your own understanding. If God says, get away from this job, get away from the job. God provided for Elijah, he'll provide for you. He's able. He's able. He's able. We say it, but we don't trust. We don't feel good before we control everything. Stop controlling. Learn to be controlled. And so, when you move into routine, you are very unlikely to change and to prepare. And Jesus is getting closer and closer. And you don't change because, hey, what do I do wrong? I am planting. I am building. I'm, you follow me? And Jesus wants you to live every day as it was the last day of your life. Jesus wants you to live every day as he's coming tonight. And therefore, you should not depend on the routine. You should every morning submit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am today. I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. But today, I am yours. Use me. Here I am, Lord. Who shall I send? Send me. Make yourself, she says, available to the Lord every day for service. Make yourself available. Every day when I live, I pray that prayer. I say, Lord, here I am. Please talk to me. Now, God doesn't talk when you want. He talks when he wants because he is the master, not you. He doesn't talk as we talk nonsense just for like politicians. Just for this. We like to hear our voices. God talks only when there is a need to talk. And when God talks, if you don't listen, you don't hear. But if you listen all the time, if you are connected, then you hear. How do you recognize God's voice? Very simple. If my wife calls me, I know her voice. If you call me, I don't know you. Why do I know her voice? 
Because we talk all the time. You want to know God's voice? Talk with him all the time. And you'll get to learn his voice. Very simple. Don't expect to know his voice if you talk once in a while in crisis. Prayer should not be in crisis. Prayer should be all the time. Don't use God to solve your problems. Let God use you to solve his problems. And so, saying that, we go back. So I basically, when I say surrender in the morning, I pray and say, Lord, please, if there is a need, use me today. Make me a blessing. And then I get in the car and I keep praying. Open my eyes because I am so focused on my plans that I am blind to people around. And as I am praying, somebody is crying in the rain. So God says to my mind, stop. And I stop. I say, hey, why are you crying? And she says, well, I lost my job and they kicked me out of my apartment. They evicted me and I have two babies. I take her and I go to the church and I talk to my church members and we help her. And then as I am praying, my wife calls her and says, hey, the dog has diarrhea with blood. Is it allowed to say that from the pulpit? There is no pulpit here, so it is. Okay. And so my wife says, hey, our dog is in trouble. He's vomiting blood. He has diarrhea with blood. So I call my head elder and say, hey, I'm not coming to the board meeting. Chair the board without me. I have an emergency. I go back home, pick up the puppy. I go to the vet. I go to the vet. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together. The dog didn't get sick just by chance. Nothing, not a hair would fall off the head without God knowing, for those that have hair. So, I take the dog, go to the vet. I go to the vet, and the vet is, I probably, you heard me, that I told the story like a million times, the vet is talking about what happens to people, what happens to animals when they die. Do they go to hell or do they go to heaven? And he says, why are you in a suit and a tie? I'm going to a meeting. What do you work? I'm a pastor. Oh, we are talking about what happens to people when they die. Okay, I give them a Bible study about the state of the dead. Tomorrow I go back, so they check the dog, and they say, what happens when Jesus comes? Will be raptured or what? So I give them a Bible study about the second coming. And then I go every day to the vet for two weeks, and I give them several Bible studies and books and DVDs. Why did the dog get sick? Because God knew that the vet and the nurses were talking about these subjects. And God allowed the dog to get sick and talk to me because I was listening, and I went there and I served. You follow me? What if every one of us makes himself, herself available every second? Can you imagine that? I have a friend. He was uh, driving on 90, Interstate 94 in Michigan. It was snowing three days and three nights. You say Michigan, you say snow. They go together. It, it snows only 10 months a year. It's not a big deal, you know. And so it, summer comes in a Thursday. If you leave home Wednesday and come Friday, you miss summer. And so, I have a friend in Michigan, he's driving on Interstate 94, and as he is driving, he prays, Lord, please use me today. But he's, drive, he's praying that prayer every day. And God talks to him and says, look to the right. And as he's impressed, he looks to the right. Straight field, all white. Three days and three nights of snow. And a bump far in the field, a white bump. He says to his wife, there is something white on the snow. And his wife says, snow is white, honey. No, 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 there is a bump. And she says, fields have bumps. He says, no, God talked to me and said, look to the right. 
She says, well, you ate too much pizza last night. <laughs> he says, no, I pray that God would use me today. I want to serve. So he goes to no U-turn on the interstate. He turns around, goes to the previous exit, turns around, comes back and looks to the right. And sure enough, he sees the bump. He stops, parks the car on the right side of the, outside the shoulder, puts the hazard lights. He goes there in the field far away. And sure enough, there is an old man in white robe, gray hair, snowed over, covered with snow, frozen. He takes the old man. It says here, on a, something here, it says his name and then says Alzheimer's. The man left nursing home to go home and he forgot where home is. He takes the old man in his arms, runs to the car, runs to the hospital, and the doctor says, you got him in the last minute. A few minutes late, you, he would have been dead. The doctor calls the daughter. The daughter comes to hospital and says, who found him? Where was he? And the guy says, I found him. Where was he? Far in the field, covered with snow. How did you see him? Well, if I tell you, you think that I am crazy. Tell me. Well, I prayed every day that God would use me and talk to me. And God impressed me to look to the right, and I looked to the right, and I saw him. She says, I want to join your church. He says, well, we worship Saturday, not Sunday. I don't care if you worship Tuesday. I'm looking for God. Do you understand what means to serve? It means that you surrender, and you are willing to lose your job, and go and save somebody, and you are willing to lose your school, and you are willing... So many times I would, I would spend time in prayer and God would impress me to do something and I would miss my first class. Every time when I would go to school, they would say, hey, the teacher was sick. How did you know? The teacher had a very difficult quiz. Everybody failed. You are lucky you didn't come. Every time, I never, I, I finished school top of my class and I always said, you know what? Doesn't matter if I have a difficult exam. I'm going to put God first. What benefit do I have to finish school and lose salvation? Service. Surrender. Make God's plan your plans. Not your plans, God's plans. And so, what was in Noah's day? They were so focused on their routine that they didn't sense the signs of the second coming. Of the, of the flood, actually. <laughs> they didn't sense. They didn't sense. Can it be that we are so focused on our routine that we don't sense the signs? Because the signs... Don't happen instantly. They happen gradually. It's like the labor of the pregnant woman. How is the labor? You have contractions, the women, not the men. You have contractions every four hours, and then every three hours, and then every two hours, and every one hour, and every half an hour, and then every 15 minutes. You follow? They grow gradually. You follow me? The same with the signs. You don't have no, 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 no earthquakes for 500 years, and then you have 300 earthquakes a day. Now, you have no earthquakes, and then you have one every 200 years, and then you have one every 100, and then you have one every 50 years, and then you have one every 10 years, and then you have one every one year, and then you have 10 a day, and then you have 300 an hour. But they grow in hundreds of years, or in two hours, whatever, and people get used to it. And you have no fire, and then you have one fire, and then you have ten fires, and then you have fires all the time, and people got used to the fires. And then you have no tornadoes, and then you have one, and then you have ten, gradually, and people get used to tornadoes. And then you have a crisis in the economy, and then two, and then ten, and then it's all the time crisis. And people get used to crisis. You follow me? And we don't see that has been growing like the labor of the pregnant woman. 
You follow me? And we get used to the signs, and no signs would impress us to prepare because we have a routine. Get out of the routine. Soon, probation will come to a close. On that day, there will be no more change. People will remain the way they are. However, no one will know that day. In that day, everything is going to be just normal. There will be no lightning, no bombs. You will not even know that the probation closed. You will know when the plagues start, but that will be a little late. So, how it was in Noah's day? Let me explain how it was in Noah's day. God talked to Noah and said, build an ark. And Noah said, what is an ark? An ark is a boat. What is a boat? A boat you put on the water. Where? Well, there will be rain. What is rain? Rain is when water comes from heaven. It has never come. Well, it will come. You follow me? So Noah says, uh, how should I build a boat? Okay, I'm going to give you the blueprints. Noah starts building a boat. Mama Noah comes to Tata Noah. And Mama Noah, Mrs. Noah says, what are you doing, honey? Building a boat. What is a boat? Do you see the point? The church members come to Pastor Noah. What are you doing, Pastor? I am building a boat. You need to go to the doctor, Pastor. They call the conference. The conference says, hey, Pastor, what are you doing? Building a boat. You need to take a sabbatical. <laughs> you follow me? When you start preparing, there will be people around you that will say, what's wrong with you? Do you follow me? You need to be crazy if you want to be saved. Amen. Normal people will be lost. You need to have a crazy faith to obey God, regardless if you understand or not, regardless if the others approve you or not. You need to focus on God to the point that you are willing to be called crazy, you are willing to lose your job, you are willing to lose your family. You need to be so focused on God that you are willing to die. You need to be crazy. If you are normal and you just function as people expect you to function, you will never make it. You need to follow God at any price. You'll never do that if you don't start having an experience with him today. You don't learn to run at a competition when the competition starts. You get trained years in advance. And if you don't keep up with those who walk, how are you going to keep up with those on horses? You remember the Bible verse? If you don't keep up today, when small trials come and you complain, oh, how are you going to keep up in the greatest crisis of history? The men of that generation, Noah's generation, were not all idolaters. Many were worshippers of God, good Christians, good Seventh-day Adventists. But they procrastinated, rejected to change today, rejected to accept the light, rejected, 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 until they thought the God's message is a delusion. Now listen carefully. They manifested contempt for God's warning. How? How do you manifest contempt for how? 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 Listen, by doing what they have done yesterday. When you do today what you have done yesterday, you show contempt for God's warning. God says, today it's a new day. You cannot say, I walked today one time around Jericho, so tomorrow I'm going to walk one time. Now, tomorrow you need to walk seven times. Don't assume that what you did yesterday you should do today. Every day seek God's plan for the day. And so, they continue to plant like yesterday, to build, and probation was about to expire. Jesus was about to come. And Noah made the last appeal, please prepare. Animals obeyed God. His people didn't. Men became so hardened. How do you harden your hearts? 
How do you harden your? How do you harden? By persistent procrastination, by persistent rejection. I'm going to change tomorrow. No, your heart is going to harden. Change today. If you don't do it today, you will become blind, paralyzed, to the point that you'll not even see it. Oh, if we see the signs of the end, people say, when we see the signs, we'll get ready. You'll not see the signs because you are used to the signs. Signs are all around us today. There are signs around us if we open our eyes. But we got used to the signs. Jesus says, if they don't believe in what is written, even if they see somebody resurrecting from the dead, they will not believe. Sure enough, that week, Jesus resurrected Lazarus. Did they believe? They wanted to kill Lazarus. Sure enough, Jesus is in the garden. They come to arrest him. Peter cuts the ear off of the servant. There is blood all over. The guy is ah, screaming. Jesus gets down, takes the ear. Imagine the blood. Imagine the screams, you know. Takes the ear, puts it back. Healed. If I was there, I would bow down and worship him. Did they get impressed by the miracle? They arrested him. People are so focused on the plan that they had in their mind that they are blind to what's happening around. If you are focused on your plans, not focused on God, you'll remain with your plans. What are you focused on? What stresses you every day? Because whatever stresses you, that's your God. The door of the ark, Noah's boat, was open for how many people? What did God tell Noah? Invite how many? Invite all. Let's suppose, let's just pretend, there was a drunk guy coming from the bar. He was drunk. And by mistake, he got into the ark. And the door closed. Will he be saved or lost? Oh, come on. He doesn't deserve it. Who deserves it? Anybody here deserves it? Don't you understand that salvation is not by what you do, but by who you are with. If you have Jesus in your heart, he's going to change you. You may not feel that you are changed today, but as long as you invite his presence every day, he who calls the name of the Lord, in Greek the translation is he who keeps on calling. He who continually keeps on calling the name of the Lord shall be saved. As long as you say, Jesus, I cannot do it, please come into me today. And then at 10 o'clock you say again, Jesus, don't let me depart because I cannot do it alone. Please come. And 12 o'clock you pray again like Daniel. And 2 o'clock you pray again. And 4 o'clock you say, Lord, alone I am nothing. Separate it from me. Please come again. And as you do that, you may feel that you are lost. Eleanor says, the closer you get to Jesus, the more disparate you are. Because those people who feel good, they obviously are far from Jesus. Because when you are close to him and you see him, you realize how sinner you are. Just then you realize how bad you are. So the closer you get to him, the worse you feel compared to him. Because when you see him, how he is, you say, I am lost. I am the greatest among sinners. Who can save me from this body? That's what Paul says when he gets close to Christ. He says, I am the greatest among sinners. I'm the biggest sinner in the world. But you got to do that today. Today is Friday, January 18. Today, you need to make a decision. You don't need to make a big decision. You need to make the decision that God would impress you to make. Because he's going to give you strength to fulfill what he's asking you to do. Remember, Mount Helen, May 18, 1980. You know, you know the mountain, don't you? Yeah, you sure you do. You live in the area. 
It was an earthquake. People got scared, and then they calmed down. A week later, there was another earthquake. And people with the seismology, or what? English. It's English, crazy. Seismology, whatever, I don't know. People measured the pressure of the volcano, and they said, it's going to erupt. You got to move out of the city. You got to go away far from the mountain. And the earthquake stopped, and they said, hey, we had another one last week, and nothing happened. So what did they do? Tomorrow we move, but first we need to finish selling the vegetables, and then we need to clean the house, and then we need to put the house for sale, and after we sell the house and get the money, then we move. You follow me? You don't take it to heaven. It's going to burn. Get detached from stuff. You don't take stuff to heaven. You want to be with the stuff or you want to be with Jesus? Make a decision today. And so, there was an earthquake last week, nothing happened. And then, three days later, another earthquake. And everybody got scared and then they said, you know, we had three earthquakes so far and nothing happened. Forget it. And the people said, you need to move, the pressure is growing. Nah. And after several earthquakes, one day, this is what happened. You see it? And then people try to prepare in the crisis. In the last crisis when the, uh, the Sunday law comes, and uh, they said, now we prepare. <laughs> That's foolishness. That's foolishness. This is what happened. That's the mountain before and that's the mountain after. And here it is 150 feet ashes deep. 150 feet deep. There was a guy among the 57 who lost their lives, Harry Truman. And this guy, Harry Truman, said, I've seen earthquakes and signs before, and nothing happened. I stay here, I'm not going to move. There is 11 miles between me and the mountain, and there is the forest. Nothing will touch me. Here I stay. He's there, 150 feet deep. Balaam, God says, don't go. He says, Lord, please let me go today. And tomorrow when I get there, I will obey you. Are you kidding me? Let me disobey today because I will obey you tomorrow. If you really want to obey, obey today. I don't obey today, but I will obey tomorrow. Tomorrow is free, you know? But anyway. So Balaam leaves disobeying God. His plans more important than God's plans. Asking God to bless his plans instead of asking God that he would obey God's plans. And so... Balaam, we don't pray. You see, we often pray not to learn God's will, but to see God's approval for our will. And so Balaam leaves, and, and the angel shows to the donkey, and the donkey senses the, 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 the angel, and the donkey stops, and Balaam, the pastor, beats the donkey. Can you believe that? The pastor lost his temper. And the donkey starts again, and the angel stops again. And Balaam, the pastor, loses his temper. And the donkey talks. And the pastor talks to the donkey. <laughs> Can we lose our mind so much that instead of waking up, we argue with the donkey? I would have stopped and said, wow, my dog is talking. My horse is talking. Oh, miracle. Can you be so focused on your plans that you don't see the donkey talking? 
Things happen and you try to solve it. Stop solving. Is God trying to stop you. Hello? Turn around. God in his grace sent an angel to stop him. The donkey obeyed. Balaam, God's prophet, didn't. Anybody can get blind. If you don't act today, tomorrow you are blind. I'm not going to go through Lot's story because the time is up. I'm going to move fast. Lot could have saved his family. Let, let me just give you the Lot's story. A little, just a little, just a little. The angels talk to Lot. Lot goes to Mama Lot. Mama Lot, the angels said that we need to leave the city. We need to give up the house and move out because we will die. Mama Lot says, honey, did you watch CNN? Yes. They don't talk about any catastrophe. Did you watch the weather? Yes. There is no storm, no tornado, no nothing. What's wrong with you, honey? You watch too many movies. Mama Lot says, we have a camel in the garage. It has sensors in the bumper. It has, why would I leave the camel in the garage and move? You know? We have a mortgage to the house. We have been working 30 years to pay this mortgage. Why would I leave the house and move? We have children here. Stay, stay calm. Let's pray and then we'll decide. Isn't that funny when people want to disobey, they say, let's pray? <laughs> what do you want to pray for? When God told you, move? Do you want to ask God permission not to move? I hear people saying, well, so let's pray and then I decide if I keep the Sabbath. Are you kidding me? This is nothing to pray about. When God tells you to do it, stop praying about it. Pray for strength, not if you should do it or not. God says, go. He says, let's pray and we talk tomorrow. Trying to be pious when you actually disobey God. And then she says, what did the kids say? So daddy Lot goes to the oldest daughter. Honey, we need to leave. She says, dad, watch the weather. Are you kidding me? You go to sleep too late. You need to wake up, you know, later and sleep more because you are old and your mind, you know. And she says, my husband is at work. He's a nurse. Let him come home. We sleep. We think about it. We pray about it. And tomorrow we talk again. Do you see how people do? So he goes from kid to kid. And they all say no. He goes back home. And God, in his mercy, takes them by hand, by force. Get out! And Mama Lot looks back, my house! And she perishes. Don't allow yourself to be connected with stuff. Because that's what happens. As long as God gives me power to speak, I shall continue to call upon the parents to leave the cities and get homes in the country. Hello? Believers who are not living in the city will soon have to have move to the country to save their children. Angels stroke the people around Lot's house with blindness. All of them. 50, 100, 200, I don't know how many. All of them blind. Hey, Jimmy, can you see because I am blind? Man, John, I am blind too. James, how are you? Blind. Michael, how are you? Blind. Everybody, everybody. That's a miracle. Okay, let's find the door. Are you kidding me? People become so blind in their plans that they don't see miracles. Don't wait to see a miracle. Don't wait to see signs. Change today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If you don't do it today, what happens to you? You harden your hearts. If you procrastinate, 
you will never do it. If you focus too much on these things, you lose focus on those things. Israel focused too much on wilderness and lost focus of the promised land. While Lot lingered, the angels took them by hand. What a gracious God. What a merciful, patient God. Because the Lord was merciful to him, took him outside to save him. But she looked back, because what is your treasure? That's where your heart will be. And so, we need to finish. We need to finish. Let's move quick. I have a bunch of quotations. Outside the sea, out of the cities. This is the message the Lord has given. Earthquakes will come, floods will come. Don't establish yourself in the city. Make wise plans. The time has come when God has opened the way the family should move out. You see it? Large cities will be visited by God's judgments. Move out. Anyway, I'm not gonna, we, our time is up. I want to, I want to close with a story. Uh, I need to finish at 9.15 and it's 9.16. I need to close with a story. So, I was talking to my church about service. And I say, this is how you prepare for the second coming. You cannot change yourself. Regardless how hard you try, the harder you try, the more you will fail. I was born without patience. I, I had a very short fuse. I was like a bomb. I would lose my temper in a second. And people that were slow really stepped on my nerves. I could not stand slow people when I was young. And so I would lose my temper and I would pray, Lord, make me patient because I, am, I get angry. And the more I prayed, the more angry I was. Did it ever happen to you? And I talked to my dad. And my dad said, do you remember when you were a kid? Yes. Do you remember when you were stupid what you used to do? I said, which one? Because I did many things. He said, you would catch fleas from the dog of the grandparents and throw them in the tub. He said, yes, I do remember. I was watching fleas how they, from the dog. I would pick fleas from the dog, throw them in the tub. And I was watching how they jump, trying to jump over the tub and escape. And after five, ten jumps, they would give up and die. And my father said, did any of the fleas manage to escape? I said, no. He said, well, that's you fighting Satan. You'll just give up, get discouraged, and perish. And my father said, you have no power to change yourself. Only God can change you. I said, well, what shall I do? My father said to me, instead of seeking change, you should rather seek Christ. Amen. Hello? And then he said, two things, son, two things, two things, only two. Number one, seek Christ daily. And number two, serve Christ daily. He said, God, Ellen White has a quotation, and she says, God doesn't need us. He can finish his work. If we don't speak, rocks will speak. You follow? He can finish his work through other means. But she says, by serving, we ourselves grow more into like Jesus' image. By serving, we become like Jesus. So my father said to me, seek Jesus' presence and serve him daily. And the more you serve, the more you learn to love, the more you learn to be like Jesus. That's how you prepare. And I said, what if I'm not ready? And my father said, you will never be. But as long as Jesus is in you, you are safe.
Do you follow me? You will never be. But if Jesus is in you, Christ in you. The hope. He who has Christ has life. That's the answer. Do you follow me? And so I started to pray for God's presence. And I was still angry. But the more I prayed, and the more I got involved in the church, and the more I got involved in mission trips, and the more I started to serve the neighbors, and the more I started to serve the classmates, for some reason, I realized after a couple of years that I was not getting angry. Well, I do get angry once in a while, very rarely. It depends who says what. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I was talking to my former church in Lexington, Kentucky, and I said, we need to learn the meaning of service. We need to daily sacrifice self, fully surrender, and seek God's plan and God's presence. Seek God's presence and God's plan every day. Seek God's presence and God's plan every day, every day. Make it a rule. More important than life, more important than job, more important than you, more important than health, more important than family, more important than anything. You need to give up everything else and seek God's presence and God's plan every day. And I told the church that constantly, again and again. And eventually, through prayer and seminars and preaching and plans, the church started to become a praying church and the church started to become a serving church. Long story, I wish I shared it with you. To the point that it became extremely fast-growing, extremely healthy, no conflicts, one of the best churches, I mean it. We had about 16-17% growth. You know what that means? Average growth in North America is 3.4. Anyway, let me go back. And so, we started to actually work in the community, to work, in, to go in mission trips. So, we went in a mission trip in Cuba. One of them, we went many times. And we divided the church, the, the, the group that went in three groups. Five close to Havana to do evangelism in a location with no Adventists. Five, three hours south, I mean, west of Havana doing evangelism, and another five people seven hours away from Havana doing evangelism. Three locations with no Adventism to, to plant three churches. One of the doctors who was seven hours away from Havana with a group of five people doing evangelism, they started to do evangelism Thursday night. As soon as they started, the police came and took their money, took their room, and said, you need to stop. If you continue, you'll be arrested. So that guy, one of my elders, called me and says, Pastor, the police took everything, took our uh, venue. We cannot do evangelism. We are not allowed. We don't want to be arrested. Can we come and join you? I said, no, you cannot. What should they do? Do evangelism. We get arrested. Then you belong in prison. Pastor, but we, we cannot go to prison. Oh, yes, you can. Joseph went to prison. Who do you think you are? If God needs you in prison, go to prison. Leave me alone. Pastor, but, but we, we are not allowed to do evangelism. Pray. We did. No, you obviously didn't, because if you did, you would serve. When people look for excuses, it's because they, don't, they are not willing to sacrifice. So I said, pray. Well, okay. They prayed. Long story short, they prayed the whole night. After they prayed for about five minutes, they called me back. We prayed and nothing happened. That means you didn't pray. We, we did. Now pray more until something happens. How long? Until something happens. How long? Until something happens. Bye. So they prayed the whole night. 
in the morning, he called me, well, nothing happened, but God inspired us to go back to the police. I said, then go back to the police. I said, why do you call me? We are the pastor, but I am not God. Call God. What if everybody calls me? You know? Call God. People call somebody because they don't want to call God. And so I said, call God. He said, well, God inspired us to go to the police. Go to the police. They went to the police, and they talked to the guy and says, please tell us what to do. No, nothing. You are not allowed. You don't have proper papers. Please tell us. And the guy says, do you have a chocolate? Yes, I do. They give him a chocolate, and he says, you are not allowed to do evangelism without these papers in a public location, but you are allowed to do it in a church. So look for a church. They call me, Pastor, we solved the problem. I said, God did. Oh, yes, God solved the problem. We are looking for a church. I'm, I'm making the story a little funny, you know. So they started, they go to a church, they go to a second church, they go to a third church, they go to all churches in that city. None of them allowed them to do evangelism. So they called me, what should they do? I said, pray. We did. Obviously not enough. Well, God told us to go to churches, and we did. Then go back to churches. We did. Just go again. They prayed, and God inspired them to go to churches. So they went again, second time to all churches. When they get to the Baptist pastor, the Baptist pastor says, you know, I would let you do evangelism in my church, but the roof is broken and, and it's raining in the church and I, I, we have no money to fix the roof, but if you pay for us to fix the roof, we let you do evangelism. And my church member, he's a doctor, he calls me and says, Pastor, he wants us to pay for fixing the roof. I said, go ahead and pay. Well, all the money we have is 2,500. And that's money for food, lodging, transportation, and Bible workers. I said, give him the money. But we need to eat. No, you are too fat anyway. Give him the money. <laughs> I need to eat. You don't. He said, are you kidding me? I said, give him the money and stop arguing. But we need to eat. We need to pay food and lodging. No, you don't. You can sleep in the street and you can eat nothing. Just give him the money and do evangelism. You need to suck. How can you ask God for more if you don't use what you have? I said, give him the money and then pray. Said, okay, well, I need to go by faith. I said, duh. <laughs> go by faith. He gives the Baptist pastor the money, 2,500, and they start evangelism. Thursday night, when they did evangelism, they had 16 people. Friday night, they had no room. Saturday night, they started in the Baptist church. They had 16 plus the Baptist pastor and his family. Monday night, they did evangelism. They had 140 people plus 16. I says, who are these people? And the Baptist pastor, my church. Why did they come? I came last night to check it out. I like it, so I invited the whole church. Do you understand why God allowed them to lose the location, the venue? Because God cared more for people than for that money. And so he says to his wife, honey, we need to pay food and we need to pay the hotel. Don't you have any spare pocket spending money. She says, I don't know, let's check in the, in the purse. In a woman's purse, you find anything. <laughs> she checks in the, I mean it. She checks in the purse and she finds the envelope for the Baptist pastor, 2,500. She says, honey, you forgot to pay the Baptist pastor. He says, I did. No, you forgot. He looks at the envelope. Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot. He calls the Baptist pastor. I'm so sorry, pastor, I forgot to pay you money for the roof. The Baptist pastor says, I have the money in my hand. You did pay me the 2,500. 
He called me, he says, Pastor, did you give me by mistake 2,500 more? I said, I never do this type of mistakes. <laughs> Somehow, we have 2,500. I said, praise the Lord. They paid food and lodging 300. And then next day, they did evangelism. He says to his wife, honey, count the money and pay again food and lodging. She counted the money. She says, honey, we have 2,500. And I paid 300 yesterday. He says, you didn't count. Well, let's count. They counted 2,500. They paid 300. And then they counted again money, 2,500. <laughs> and next day, they paid 300. And they counted the money. The whole team gathered around the envelope because they thought that they lost their mind. And the whole team witnessed and they counted the money, 2,500. And next day they paid 300 and they had 2,500. And he called me and says, Pastor, I keep paying 300 and it is still 2,500. I said, give me the envelope. <laughs> he says, now you need to pray. <laughs> How can you expect? They, anyway, let me finish the story. They baptized several people. I don't remember the number, I don't know, altogether. And then they left Sunday, they left the city and drove to Havana. And when they left the city and purchased gas and so on, when they finished the evangelism, money started to go down. And the leftover money we gave to the union there to help them with the work in Cuba. But how can you expect to experience God's power when you are focused on self? How can you expect blessings when you are praying for self? You need to serve if you want to see God's power. God didn't call you to serve self. He called you to sacrifice self. How do you prepare for the second coming? You need to serve. Imagine if the whole church, if everybody, we, if, if all, young, old, men, women, everybody, if we make ourselves available every morning and say, Lord, use me today. I sacrifice self. I trust that you'll provide. I trust that if I seek your kingdom, your work first, because when he says seek the kingdom of God, it doesn't refer to seek eternal life. It refers to seek the prosperity, in Greek, prosperity, advance of the kingdom. God, here I am. I sacrifice all for your kingdom. And I trust your promise that if I seek you first, you'll provide. Amen. Taste. How can, how can you experience God's power if you don't trust God's power? You follow me? God is calling the church, and the church is you and me. That's the, it's not the building. God is calling you to make a decision today. And God says, if you make a decision to obey, I'm going to give you strength. Don't worry about how. When God calls, he provides. Don't worry about how. Don't make self-plans, decisions yourself. Seek God's plan every day. When he gives you the plan, obey. If he doesn't give you the plan, that means that he has a bigger plan than you imagine. When God doesn't answer, it means that he has a crazy big plan. And he needs to prepare you 40 years in the wilderness because then he wants to save a whole nation through you. And it takes not one day, but 40 years until you are ready. So don't get tired waiting because he is working on you. Just keep seeking his presence and his plan every day and trust that he is able to finish what he started. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit 
www.audioverse.org.